0: This morning's lesson comes to us from the gospel according to John. Same gospel as, of, as last week's passage. This one is almost equally as long. And I will not be reading all of the lectionary reading, just the first 11 verses or 12 in the ninth chapter. Let us pray. O oh God, enlighten us with your word. Reveal yourself to us, that we may see in Christ's name. Amen. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go wash in the pool a siloam, which means "sent." Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he, others saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the story about how Jesus, the light of the world, brings sight to those who are in darkness. And those who are in darkness, according to the Bible, means everybody. And the story is about how this light comes to everybody and brings sight to those in darkness. And it is a light, John says, that came into the darkness and cannot be overcome. And this light that comes out of the darkness is the light that brings truth and hope and faith and love. And this light that comes out of the darkness to us is a light that, that in that love melts the scales off of our eyes, the eyes of our hearts and souls and brings to us a new sight. He opens the eyes of those who are far-sighted Don't let this be taken personally, but the word is presbyopic. That is to say, we see all the sin in others, but we cannot really see the sin in ourselves. He opens the eyes of those who are myopic, that is that they are short-sighted, who get so caught up in the fever of the moment and, and we can't see past the nose on our face and we can't even see a big picture other than my own experience of life and truth, my own experience of the length and the breadth and the height and the depth of reality. That's all we can see. And I didn't even mention how he comes to us and heals our astigmatism, those curved and distorted lenses on our hearts that blur everything and make it Look like we are as sharp as a tack, while everybody else is as dull as a stump. In this morning's passage, there is this man sitting on the road, blind from birth, begging. He was was born blind, as Stevie Wonder. So his disciples ask a legitimate question: Who sinned? The man who was born blind, or his parents. In those days, and even still, they thought often that those kinds of maladies and disabilities were caused by sin and that somehow God was punishing them for it. And and you talk about a slippery slope. So yet yeah, it was still built into the system of their sense of enlightenment. But they were in the dark. And Jesus makes clear that they were in the dark, that it had nothing to do with the sin of the man born blind or his parents. Now the question about why this man was blind is the, what's called the theodicy question. That's one of those big theological terms we learn in seminary. But it's, it's the Job question. It's, it's the why question, as Harold Kushner wrote, the why do bad things happen to good people question. And when it comes to the why answer, we only stumble around in the darkness. I remember not long after Nancy died, I was invited to a dinner party at a house in And the mother of the hostess was there uh, visiting. She was a sweet lady from Minnesota. And I was sitting next to her at dinner, and she reached out and and put her hand on top of mine. And wanting to say something compassionate, she said, I am so sorry uh, uh, about the loss of your wife. I suppose that God needed an artist in heaven more than on earth. And I pulled my hand out from under her, wanting to slap her upside the face. And I restrained myself enough, but not enough, because with with great self-righteousness, I said, would you be willing to explain that to my children? Jesus doesn't even deal with the question of the why, who sinned, Instead, he says, that question doesn't matter. What matters is what next, the how question. How then can God use this man's blindness for good work? Jesus sees it clearly in this way. To be able to see and perceive the works of God even in the midst of an accident or a cancer diagnosis Or a loss of any kind, or a trauma, divorce, you name it. To be able to perceive the works of God in and through that, to be able to use that loss for something that is God like, that is what Jesus says it means to have sight. If we obsess over the why, we remain in darkness and resentment and anger. But to see through the darkness is to squint into the future with enough sight, eyes of faith to be able to see a light out there somewhere vaguely breaking in on us even now in the midst of our pain and suffering, breaking in with a hopeful future. And being able to see through a fog like this, I think, is what it means to see through the eyes of faith. It doesn't come quickly. It doesn't come easily. It takes community. It takes others. It takes the spectacles of faith. But it's there when we're ready and we're looking for it. Jesus said he was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. That's the point. We must work the works of God who sent me while there is still light because night is coming when no one can work. I am the light of the world, he says. And every time Jesus heals someone in the Bible, he does so to bring this insight, to reveal how God uses the darkness and despair and suffering even unto death to bring out of it a light of faith and hope, redemption, resurrection. So this is the first point John's making right out of the chute. The light of the world comes into the darkness and our unknowing to bring any sense to it turns into awareness by the sight of Christ's light that God will be with us in the suffering and redeem it as God did with Christ's resurrection. If I could only open my eyes to that, enough, more. If I could only somehow get this message more and more, if I could only help others get it in a world that seems surrounded by the darkness of achievement and comparison and Facebook. I know, I'm sorry. One of you was kind enough to call me out on my Facebook demonization last week, and it serves a very good purpose. But I see a lot of young people lost in the darkness of it, and especially young girls. If only we could get this message out that wherever you are in your sense of darkness, whatever your age, that there is a light that is going to come if you are able to hang in there and see it And maybe, hopefully, there would be less obsession with suicidal ideation. Just to open your eyes to see that where I am now is not the final moment, but that there is something coming to us later out of this darkness with a future and a hope. If we could only write a prescription for that. And this is the first thing John wants us to know. We are blinded by our own myopic vision from seeing beyond our tiny little lives. But it's bigger than that. Second thing what John wants us to see is that Jesus is this light that sends us. While we may have this light in us, we cannot release it on our own, and so we need the touch and presence of God's love even to to wake us up, but he still has to to tell us that you got to get up and walk the walk. you got to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I can't do it all for you. Now you have the light to find your way there. Wash, and then you will see fully. You know what I mean? We just want somebody to do it for us. Jesus, come into my life and just fix it. Okay, I'll come into your life, but I'm not going to fix it. I'll walk with you in it. I'll help you see what's going on and give you strength and give you a sense of hope and give you a sense of trust, but you still have to go to the pool. Can't I just sit here? Can't you just, like, go to the pool for Okay, Jesus, here's this deal. All right, I'm I'm going to accept you into my life and become uh, a righteous person. Now I've accepted you as my Lord and Savior, and I'm a righteous person. And because I'm a righteous person, I don't have to worry about anything anymore because I'm just going to go to heaven, and what happens on earth doesn't really matter, right? So, okay, I'm a righteous person. I'm a good person. I'm a righteous religious person. But you know what? Righteous religious people are the very ones that crucified Jesus. They're the ones Jesus had the most trouble with. Blinded by our own religious righteousness, we can only see the darkness in everyone else, especially the one who claims to be the most light. Every time I obsess over somebody who's done something to me, I'm in the darkness. I'm in the darkness if I don't even ask myself maybe what did I do to contribute to that? Every time I blame and scapegoat other people or diminish them because of the color of their skin or, or their politics or their gender, I am blind to my own biases and prejudices. Every time I fall for the religious lie that we are Saved from our sin and home scot free without having to do anything, I am living in the darkness. Then sin is crouching at the door, the Bible says, waiting to pounce. In fact, continue reading this story through verse 41. You would have heard how this gets played out by the religious authorities. They don't like the blind man being healed in the first place, much less on the Sabbath. He broke many laws. So they bring the man in for questioning the blind man. Who was it that healed you and how did he do it? And the blind man said, I don't know. I just know I was blind and now I can see. He put his thumb in my eyes and sent me to the pool. I can see. They didn't get anything out of him. So they then sent to his, for his parents and they came in for the inquisition and they questioned them. How did this happen? Do you know who that man was? They wanted them to confess that Jesus was the Messiah because if they had Jesus confess that, then they had something they could crucify him for. But they didn't know anything other than the blind man. I don't know. Uh, He he was Jesus. All we know and he healed. So then they called for the blind man back one more time and put the real pressure on What do you know? And he still doesn't know anything. All I know is that he came and told us who he was and that he was, in fact, the light of the world and and that he was the the one who would bring to me healing and, and salvation and sight. And at that point, the religious authorities drove him out. You know what it's like to be driven out of a place? That's completely excommunicated. You are, you are persona non grata. You can no longer enter this temple or church or house. They drove him out. When you turn the light on in a room that is roach-infested, the roaches run to the corners, Fred Craddock said to the darkness, to the shadows. There's nothing like overly religious, righteous people to run into the shadows when the light of Jesus Christ comes near. Doesn't matter. God still shows up. That in running to the shadows, what we end up doing is finding the light in the darkness. Jesus told them, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see and those who claim they see may become blind. Those who do not see will see and those who claim to see will become blind. Because Jesus saw through this facade of righteousness that we hide behind. He saw into the human heart of denial and scapegoating and violence and blame and victimization and righteousness. Uh, I know this is true because I'm one of those people. I... Believe it or not, I go out of my way not to appear righteous because I dislike righteousness so much. And the, dis- and the dislike of righteousness is that thing in me. And I, and, I, and I get close to the light of Christ, and the more I get this light of Christ, I sort of shine that light on other people who I think are, you know, they're just too righteous. They're religious and too righteous. And I don't like religious and too righteous. That's my own righteousness. I know this is true because of my animosity toward all those religious and righteous people, those fundamentalist (laughs) or evangelicals. I am convinced really deep down that they're lost in the darkness. They're lost in their own religious righteousness. They're unwilling to see that they are saved by grace. And that that in all of their political meanderings, they're just going to bed with the devil to to use whatever means to stop abortion, to get their people elected, to take over school boards, just go on. I am so righteous about their righteousness. And I worry about this world because of that, because of how blind we have come. But when Jesus comes to us truly and touches us like he did this blind man, it is up to us whether we will choose to see or not. And the first place we start seeing is in our hearts and souls. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to be able to come to this place to see the truth in us. My father had a good friend who he played golf with often, and when I was visiting, uh, I was in seminary. Uh, I was invited to play with him. He was 80, and um, my father said, He's a good man. You'll learn something. And so on one of the holes... We were walking together, and as we walked down the fairway, he said, so you're in seminary. I said, yes, sir. He said, well, let me tell you a story. I grew up in a little town in Mississippi in the 1930s. I was 10 years old, and in the middle of the night, my father came and waked me and pulled me out of bed, and then we went to the tool shed where he pulled out a sheet and put it over him and a pointy hat, and then... We walked through the woods and across a field and into another set of woods. And there were a bunch of other men there with sheets on and pointy hats. And, and I was 10 and I didn't know what was going on. And, and, then, and then a black man was brought in and, and he was tied up. And then they put a rope around his neck and they hung him right there from that tree. And, and I didn't understand it. They said it was for good reason because he had said something to a white woman but uh, that was not that, where he was out of place. I didn't understand all that, but I assumed that since my father was part of this and these other men I knew well, it, it probably had some reason for it. And so since I've been 10 years old, I rationalized it and, and I put it in its place and I didn't really worry about it just the way it was in those days on and on. But when I got to be 60, 50 years later, I used to go to church all the time. I wrapped myself in my own righteousness, he said. I went to. I was the best church person you've ever... At 60 years old, though, one Sunday, one Sunday we sang, Were You There? Do You know that song? I said, yes, sir. We started singing. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? You know it? And he said, as we were singing that Song. it came to the verse where it goes, Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? That's not what I heard, he said. What I heard was, Were you there when they hung him from that tree? That's what I heard. Were you there when they hung him from that tree? And he's singing this as we're walking down the fairway. My father's looking back going, ooh, what's going on? And I start singing with him. Oh, 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 sometimes it causes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there? And he knew we was. And it broke him dead to rights broke him and at that point he was able to see his own his own complicity his own denials his own rationalizations he saw and he said you know i don't know about all this seminary stuff y'all go off to learn all this stuff you know all this dogma and doctrine all this Preacher stuff y'all learned, but one thing I'm sure of, this is all I know now, I don't know any of that, all I know now is, I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. We ended up finishing the whole with tears in our eyes. You get that?